Hi and hello, watch fans, and welcome to another edition of the Real Time Show with me, your friendly neighbourhood watchmaker Rob Nuds, and my gloating co-host all the way from Amsterdam, Alan Ben Joseph. Today we're going to be looking back on the results of last week's GPHG Awards and analysing how close we came with our predictions and how far away we fell in some cases. Now I've got a very happy Dutchman on the other end of the line because uh, you scored a big win, didn't you, Alan? Yes. I just want to say one word. Grunefeld. Barton Tim, congratulations, buddies. I think this is your third award. Well-deserved. We had a heated debate in the previous two Q&A episodes, and we kept the chronograph category till the end. I think it was a heated debate, didn't it, Rob, between us? Well, I don't know how heated it was. We both knew immediately what the other guy was going to pick. And to be quite frank, I'm over the moon for you as well. I, I was really pulling secretly for Grunefeld to win it, although my choice was the Chapek because of my allegiance to that brand. Uh, I'm over the moon. I think the guys really deserved it. It's a fantastic watch. And I think we even said it was the one that should win. We weren't sure if it would win, but we thought it should because it's got everything about, uh, it's got everything that you want from a GPHG winner. And we predicted, and, and we said that the beauty of this award ceremony or this this competition is the fact that you never know the end result. There are not the predictable winners. Um, so, Rob, I, I kind of want to start off this episode, and, and we promise our listeners we're not doing a duo episode. It's going to be a one single episode on this topic. I want to know what surprised you, um, what stood out for you? Well, I'm not sure how many surprises, like really major surprises there were. I was a little bit shot to see Hermes take uh, two awards with the ladies complication and the men's complication watch prize because it's basically the same watch kind of won twice um, it's a fantastic watch the one that um, Balaj who was on episode three mentioned the one I can never pronounce the uh, Le Tom Voyageur it was uh, yeah a, a bit of a sh- it was a bit of a shock to me to see the jury vote twice for the same thing but in a way perhaps that's very genuine because people obviously love that design they obviously love that movement obviously love that complication it was in some ways perhaps a bit of a missed opportunity to not get a bit more diversity in the winner's circle but there you go that was uh, a bit of a shock i was you know not surprised to see uh, the tudor pelagos fxd claim the dive watch and i wasn't really as disappointed as maybe you might have thought i was after my not anti-Tudor rant the other day because I, I love Tudor as a brand and uh, I do actually quite like this watch, but I'm not a fan of the fixed lugs. It kind of deserved it. Beyond that, I think that the winners were all fair enough and all arguably the right ones. There were some categories I felt very strongly about, like the ladies prize, for example, and the men's prize. And I was absolutely overjoyed to see both of my picks come out on top there. And elsewhere, yeah, it was basically par for the course. There are a couple of curveballs, though, and we'll get we'll get down to those as we go through the list, I think, and analyze things a little more deeply. What did you take away as the standout moments of the award ceremony? Before I answer that question, um, I want to ask, did you uh, watch it live or did you not manage to? I kept up with it live because I have a very good friend who was there sending me information as things went down i didn't watch anything online i just you didn't had a watch the stream 
No, I was invited to the event as it turned out, and I completely forgot to check flights at the last minute because I've been snowed under recording podcasts. Did you know we have a podcast? It's a very successful podcast. It's called The Real Time Show. And um, I, completely, I completely forgot to go, which is ridiculous. But there you go. According to my agenda, we are apparently recording a podcast and I'm filling up my social media feeds with it. Um, but this week has been uh, crazy. I think we've, we, we still need to do another one. Um, but um, yeah, we have a podcast. I was invited as well. Unfortunately, I didn't manage to go um, as an academy member. I did not, unfortunately, watch the live stream because I have two little kids and I love putting them to bed. But the moment they were eyes shut, I followed the live posts on Instagram on GPHG underscore official. So that's their handle, um, which kudos to them. They do that lovely. Three pictures proposed. So very interesting with a good text. Um, I saw the Grunefelds. I was literally jumping in my living room. So my wife, again, got confirmed that I'm crazy. Um, super happy about that. And obviously, I enjoyed doing our two episodes so much because it became a little competition of ourselves. I was hunting for those that we voted for. Happy for that. And then you obviously have a skewed preference to those people that you're friends with and you're happy for them that they won. Well, yeah, we were very lucky. A lot of our good friends came away with prizes this time around. I mean, let's let's go through them, shall we, and just see exactly what we make of each category. Let's do that. And I, ex- what you mentioned with the Arceau or Arco uh, from Hermes, well-deserved. But I was also surprised that the same watch won twice. But again, hey, um, shows that the jury really loves it. Absolutely right. I mean, that's that's the thing, isn't it? Because the jury doesn't know what anyone else is voting for at the same time. And if they do love that, then it does figure and follow that they would vote for it twice in both categories in the hope that one would win. And as it turned out, they both took away the prize. It does look odd on the rundown to see this, basically the same watch in two different colors in two different categories. But there you go. Right, top of the show, we have the Ladies' Watch Prize. Now, this one, I was really, really excited to get right. This was the Tonda PF Automatic, and I, I maintained that it was the right choice. It's, it's surprising to me that the jury felt the same as I did because I did think that people would probably follow your logic and, and step away from from the slightly shrunken men's watch style but i think it's i think it's a perfect watch so how do you feel about this one i'm i'm super happy for michel parmigiani i've worked with him closely super happy for him guido terini joined them i believe already two years ago gentleman great watchmaker um and and work with him at bulgari so i'm happy for them and all of the people in fluye um and you know i love the watch so um but I guess it's the least exciting. I would have loved to receive the uh, notes of the jury. Why one of the six in each category eventually won? They don't publish that, do they? No, that would be fascinating to see the thought process. But whenever we did get it right, and we didn't get many of them right, did they? I think we got about half of them between us. Um we know our thought process, and I, th- I would imagine that it's relatively similar where we were correct and where we weren't. Obviously, we have to reevaluate and think again. But that one for me was the right winner. It was the mature choice, and I'm thrilled that it won. 
Let's leave it at that. Congratulations, Parmigian Fleurier. Yeah, nice one. Really well-deserved. Well-deserved, yeah. Okay, so ladies' complication. Now, obviously, the Hermes walked away with this one with uh, Le Tom Voyageur. And neither of us picked it, right? You had the Chaumet and I had the Anderson Genève. So what do you think? You picked the Van Cleef, didn't you, for the ladies' complication? No, no, I had the Anderson Genève in the end. Uh, but we both loved the Van Cleef. So yesterday I got confused because I saw the beautiful floral dial. Yeah. I'm like, oh, they won the ladies' complication. But if I check now, they won the innovation prize. Right, exactly. And as you rightly point out, it won the innovation prize because our listeners may not know this <laughs> and... I'm not sure we did either, but there's a bunch of other awards that aren't uh, categorized. So there's the Chronometry Prize, the Horological Revelation Prize, the Audacity Prize, the Innovation Prize, the Special Jury Prize, and most importantly, the Aguil d'Or, which is, I guess, the, the golden hand, the golden finger, the golden yeah, pointer, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know, yeah. Grand Prix. Which, which, is, which is the actual award, right? Yeah, that's the big one. That's the yeah. overall winner. Yeah. And uh, we'll discuss that at the end. I mean, that's the one to focus on at the end. And I find it a little bit odd that the Aguildor is the overall winner of the award ceremony effectively, but it doesn't actually win its own category. Always find that weird. It's like in the NFL, they have a league MVP, which is nearly always a quarterback. And then they have an offensive MVP as well, which is very rarely the same player as someone else. I'm like, How does that work? How does that work? The surprise award that I like the best is Best Young Student that was won by Simone de Baz. And I'm very curious what he's going to present in the near future. So congratulations, Simon. Yeah, very much congratulations. And we will watch your career closely. I'm sure that the great things will be coming from him in due course. As this Next- is real, as sorry, sorry, as this is real talks about watchmaking, should we invite Simon as a guest on our show? Absolutely. Why not? Why not? It'd be lovely to hear from the next generation of masters. Amazing. Okay. Sorry, Rob. Go on. Okay. Next up, we got the men's prize, and we both got this right. It was very easy to guess because it's one of those rare categories where there does seem to be a right answer. You know, a lot of it is subjective. And of course, it still is. It could have gone another way. I'm sure not everybody in the jury voted for the Atelier Acrivia uh, Chronometer Contemporain 2, but everybody with their head screwed on certainly did because it's just a stunning piece. It's just a mind-blowing piece, aesthetically and technically. And honestly, this is maybe the watch that was the easiest win for me and maybe the watch that I would have given the overall prize to. That's the kind of thing I think we need more of in modern watchmaking. Real, timeless refinement. Amen to that. Two things I want to add. I almost picked Sylvain Pinot, didn't I? With the origin. Yeah, you did, yeah. But congratulations to him because he won the Horological Revelation Prize with this watch. So that's cool. So I'm double happy. And the second thing I wanted to say or mention, did you see that Rex Hep's brother went solo this week i didn't see that no he's gone out on his own has he yeah but that's i think in a whole different chapter and i think we should invite both brothers but uh, that was cool actually to see 
So we have a, a, a young watchmakers dynasty in the making. Amazing. So congratulations to the whole Acrivia team and family. Well, competition is the spur of innovation. So hopefully we'll see these two boys going head to head for many years to come and coming up with ever more wonderful creations as they push each other to the limits of their abilities. Anything else to say on the men's category? To be honest, I think it was a pretty easy one in the end. And yeah, the Silvampino, which did grab our attention, was justly rewarded for being a horological revelation, apparently. Anything else? Any other comments? No. All right, men's complication. Now, this was a category that we both agreed upon, actually. We both imagined the singer reimagined. We both imagined the singer reimagined. That's a funny thing to say. Would win. Uh, we were both wrong. And again, it was the Hermes uh, Le Temps Voyageur. I'm getting better at saying that now, I think. I'm deluding myself, but I think the more I say it, the better it gets. I still don't know how to pronounce the first word, though. Is it a hard C or a soft C? No idea. Uh, well, Le Temps? No, Arso, Arco. Me neither. I guess it's Arso. That proves how poor my French is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mine too. But but I think it's an arc, so it's Arco. Oh, oh God. Okay. Well, okay, whatever. Dear French listeners, school us, please. Yeah, help us out. We need your help. Just uh, drop us a note on uh, Instagram or send us an email. Okay, this category was pretty weak. Uh, The Hermes, the Parmigiani, and the Singer were all decent watches. I thought they... Any one of them could have won it, really, and it went to the MS. Fair enough, but I do really think the singer should have won, and I, I stick with that. Uh, yeah, although if a Parmigiani watch should have won, it should have been the GMT Rattrapant. But okay, let's not dwell too long on this. I think we've touched upon this. Uh, the, the winning watches long enough let's go to iconic yeah so this was a, a win for you actually you went for the taikoya in the end and i correctly guessed that one of yours because i know you love that model and yeah although i chose the casket that was purely my personal preference and i think the right watch did win here because it is the most iconic right yeah i am i'm double happy for tag hoyer because i also think it's a little wink nod but from the jury for frederick arnaud he's a youngster in the watch industry relatively new and he's shaking up things and he's trying and he's pushing the envelope. And I think he really respects the heritage, the Hoyer heritage, the tag Hoyer heritage, which is exists already since 85. Right. So that's also quite some time already. A lot of people think he went bonkers with the Mario watches. They accepted it on the connected watch. They think he went mad with the tourbillon, uh, time will tell. I personally would never buy that watch. Although my six-year-old son got a Nintendo Switch for his birthday. And guess what game he plays the most? Mario Kart. Um, I literally have people older than I am buying these Mario watches. So tell me who's crazy. Frederick or the haters? But Le Mans, my personal favorite. In this category, I only thought there were three. I'm happy for them. Congrats, Frederick and Olaf, Team Tag Hoyer. Yeah, it's the right choice, and it's a fine reward for a brand that, although doesn't ever really touch me emotionally, is doing a great job of sticking to what it's good at, and this is a perfect example of that. So congrats to Tag Hoyer and the Monaco Golf. Very nice. Next up was the Torbion, a category that we actually reached agreement on. We both liked the Grupal Force, but neither one of us was too fussed about any of these models. And happy to say, 
It was our good friends at H. Moser and C that walked away with the prize. Yes. Congratulations, Melon family. And I emphasize on Melon and not just Ed, our previous guest on the show, which was a killer episode. If you're listening to this one and you haven't listened to the previous one, the interview with Ed Melan, we highly, highly, highly recommend it. You don't have time? Just listen to the first five minutes. You'll be laughing like crazy. <laughs> the, the, the award was picked up by the siblings, the brothers Melan. And that's why I emphasized Amoser being a family company and the Melan family uh, picking it up because he gave actually credits to his brother, which I think is cool. Well-deserved. Super happy for them. Um, sorry, Grobo. Next year, you'll get it, guys. Yeah, I, I was a bit surprised. Not because the H. Moser doesn't deserve it. It definitely does. It's a beautiful-looking watch. But there's some serious technology on display here from the other pieces as well. We both like the Theo Offray. We were quite taken by that aesthetic, although fair enough, it's not a huge name in the game at the moment. But the Grubel Force, we probably expected it to walk this category. And yeah, congrats, real big congratulations to the Moser team for stealing this one away and keeping the good name of the brand in lights for another year at least. All right, moving on to the calendar and astronomy section. Now this, this was one I was saving up because my God, this was a surprise for me. This really rocked me. I honestly can't believe it and i don't know what the brands in this category think as well if i were hyt or moser or even sapanieva i would be feeling a little bit aggrieved here crayon wonderful new brand wonderful aesthetic i don't fault the watch itself in any way but i cannot believe that it took down some of the titans of this calendar and astronomy category was this as much of a shock for you as it was for me alan you've literally phrased my thoughts. You verbally said what I think. Um, I couldn't have said it better. I, I don't want to add anything to it. You didn't say too much. Um, again, congrats, Crayon. You deserve it. But the competition was fierce. Wild. It was wild. And, and, and I guess I don't mean this disrespectfully. The Arnold, the Sun, and Crayon were maybe the least thrilling or exciting ones yeah the h moser yeah. c is visually maybe boring but technologically it was exciting because i love when you reduce stuff less is more um but yeah I, we voted for hyt both of us right yeah absolutely we were unanimous and on this one we were unanimous and we did we did pay lip service to crayon and we said you know um I think I said something like um, good effort or something, which now nah, sounds very patronizing. And I apologize, Crayon, because you're a GPHG winner. Made me look like an idiot. But um, I honestly didn't think I had a chance in hell against these big boys. I mean, the Sapanieva one, even that was in a different league from the top two. The HYT and the Moser were streets ahead, in my opinion. But that Sapanieva aesthetically is an absolute diamond. And the Crayon, it is lovely. It is, and we mean no disrespect by it. And I, I, to be honest, if I were Crayon, I would be absolutely gobsmacked myself. I don't think they looked at this lineup and thought, oh yeah, we're, we're coming anywhere higher than third. That must have been their absolute top expectation to beat Sapanieva out into the third place, maybe. 
Yeah. I mean, come on, what a result for that brand. What a accolade to have achieved so early in its uh, international push for expansion. What a wonderful testament it is to the importance of a GPHG itself. Because you win an award like this, you put brands like HYT and H Moser in the ground and you're suddenly something. So, hey, Crayon, pressure's on now. You've got to show us what you're made of. Well said. And, you know, now that we are analyzing the winners, the little red thread that I think I'm spotting is that in times of crisis, we usually go back to uh, the safer designs and brands. And the launches obviously were less crazy. HYT is one of the most crazy watches in this category. Whereas in the heydays, I guess a lot of GPHD winners were the, the extreme watches. It seems that they went for the more reliable, relaxed, and known things. That Crivia is very less is more. Hermes is complicated, but it's not a shouty design. Uh, the Monaco is not earth-shattering crazy, right? So No, no, not at all. So Okay. All right, next category, mechanical exception. So that's my winner, isn't it? Uh, no, mate. That is not not your winner. Uh, no, it's yours. Yeah, I won this one um, with Ferdinand Bateau. Yeah. yeah, thanks. Yeah, I. I mean, uh, what do I say? I I really believe in it. I think um, it was the right choice, and I'm a huge fan of it uh, in theory and on the wrist. So I'm very very happy to see that it won. I really really uh, feel good about this one. And you ended up picking the Bulgari, right? Yeah. Which picked up an award elsewhere. They picked up the Audacity Prize. <laughs> audacity. Audacity. The Audacity Prize. <laughs> I don't know how to give that an American spin. Or Audacity. Audacity, I guess. My wife is English, so she always makes fun of my mishmash of different English accents. Um, but I lived in the States, so in my defense. Um, anyway, so, Ferdinand Bertou. The Schoeffler family, congrats, guys. Um, we, we, we elaborately discussed all six in our previous episodes. You want to hear our thoughts, please go back. Um, yeah, well-deserved. Yeah, Very, the right winner, yeah, I think. All, all of them deserve to win. They, there is none of the six that are wrongfully in this category, in my opinion, this year. Yeah, they're all good, but the best one won, in my opinion. And I, I do think there's a bit of a division between the Ferdinand Bateau, Ulysse Nadan, and Bulgari. I would put those three on a tier above the others, but that's probably just personal preference. I don't think there's anything mechanically uh, disinteresting about the Armin Strom, for example. The Bove yeah. is, <laughs> well, it's a lot, but it is also kind of cool. And the Chopard, yeah, not my cup of tea, but another one from the Chauffeur family and... Um, a real testament to Chopard's ability as a watchmaker for them to be in this category alongside such esteemed company. Next on the list is the chronograph category. I think we can address this one in the You're not going to falls. tell me again that you make an executive decision and put it at the end, right? 
No, sir. This time we're just going <laughs> to run straight through it. Uh, as as everybody will remember, I'm sure this was the category that we were most excited about, and there was six absolute stunners. There's not a bad watch amongst them. Some brands that we're very close to. For me, I have great personal relationships with Chapek and Louis Monet, particularly. We are both very close to the guys at MBNF, Max and Charis, especially. And then Parmigiani Fleurier, as, as probably is apparent from this whole rundown, I have a, a great soft spot for them. And the Grunefelds, hmm, well, what can you say? Good stuff, man. Good stuff. I'm very, I'm very glad that you took away the win this, this and year. To sh- and to show that we are objective and this show is really about real thoughts, real talks, and we say what we think and we do what we say, I have criticism. What oh my goodness. the heck did you guys think of putting that strap on the watch? Oh no, really... I love it. No, I love it. Dude. No, dude. It takes yes. away it takes away attention from what's going on in the watch. So Tim and Bart, I love you guys, but less beers next time you decide what strap to pick. No, more beers. More beers, always more beers. This is yeah, a great with, strap. With you, probably. Yeah, okay. The less said about that, the better. But honestly, this was a, a brilliant choice. And hey, man, the jury disagrees with you. The jury likes the strap and the watch combo. Unless everybody was able to just look past the strap and vote for the watch head as brilliant as it is. But no way, man. This is cool. This is just ice cold cool. I love it. I love it. I love it. Don't listen to him, Tim and Bart. Keep doing what you're doing. He's a madman. <laughs> you know, You know. on this topic, I, I want to give kudos to Silas of A Collected Man. I believe he's the only one who always presents the watches on his website when he sells them social media uh, without a strap. Did you notice that? Hmm, that's an interesting point. No, I didn't notice that. Huh. So all of you, check that out. It's interesting because it gives you a different perspective. We did that together with you with the Ace X Nomos collabs when we had the trilogy of Amsam series. Yeah, the main picture was all three without a strap. It gives. Uh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, it suddenly gives that. you a different view of um, a watch. It's as if uh, you see a person dressed up and maybe in a bathing suit or something. I don't want to use the word nude. Oh no, of course not. This is a family-friendly podcast over here. There's no nudity. Can we use profanity on this show occasionally? All right. Let's try not to. Okay. Congrats again, boys, Grenfell boys, and the whole team in Oldenzaal in my dear home country. It's fucking brilliant. <laughs> you know, you know now the show will be boycotted in the US, right? Oh, because of just shit. because of that comment. All right, I'll beep it out. <laughs> Divers, I think we were rather explicit in this category, both of us, weren't we? If you say so, I can't personally remember anything about this category whatsoever. It's completely le- left my brain. I don't uh, remember what I picked. I don't remember what you picked. I believe you picked the Doxa, and I believe I picked the FXD, if I remember correctly. That doesn't sound that, that sounds that doesn't sound right at all. It sounds like uh, you've just made that up there. I think I picked the FXD, and you picked the Doxa. Whatever. So ding, ding, ding. Point for me. <laughs> um, do you do you want to do you want to discuss it? No. Um, t- interesting fact, though. Bulgari won a lot of GPHG awards the last decade. Fun fact, this award for Tudor is their eighth in a decade. Is it really? Yeah. That's so they're, good. They're, they're, they're on a slow burner 
They're snipering through the through these Academy Awards every time. Yeah, what to say about this? I know I picked the Doctor, and I think it is uh, a more remarkable watch, shall we say, than the Tudor Pelagos FXD. But I think this is a very fair win for Tudor. I think it certainly was the watch that caused the most stir this year, and it is the one that people will remember for the longest, I would imagine, simply because it was the main headline when it came out, everybody was going crazy for it. There was so much speculation around it, whether it be a Marine National Special Edition or whether it be something else. And it turned out to be something nobody really expected, which is always a great stunt for a brand as big and as widely discussed as Tudor to pull. So congratulations. I mean, I, I can't fault it really. It is, it's a great watch. It's not, not one I would ever consider buying myself, but fair play. I, I would, and I'm on my own waiting list. I want to add something to this category. I want to stand corrected. Mea culpa about the Artia. Um, my ignorance um, made that watch stand very low on my pick of these six in this category. Simply because you were right. I didn't know that that rainbow on the dial literally had a function. Because after we recorded that episode, I was reading my favorite trade magazine, which is Europe a Star. And it was a whole article about this watch. And you're right, Rob. Um, the dial literally features how deep you dive. And yeah. they don't they don't lit up simultaneously. So I didn't know that. Yeah, it's a fascinating phenomenon, really. The visibility of different colors beneath the waves at different depths it's almost too sci-fi to believe but yeah this actually works so uh thanks for doing the research that's very um gratifying that you uh stumbled across that article that or the fact that i say that you're right well i always appreciate that of course although i don't need to be told <laughs> but 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 so Archia almost took the category for me, but still, I think Tudor deserves it this year. But with that knowledge now in hindsight, it went to number two for me. So I I really think this Archia watch is on the cusp of greatness. I think it could be very much improved with some small changes. Like I said, I'd get rid of the date window. I'd make the dial symmetrical. I think the logo is uh, ill-placed and unnecessary. And I'm not entirely sure about the kind of almost retro Breitling-esque font on the bezel. And those numbers just look a bit small for me. I mean, I like the Tudor bezel more. If you take the look of that and put that on the Archie, that could be interesting. I'm with you on all the points, but I do love the the shark fin-ish details on the lunette, the bezel. That's cool. I do like that. That reminds me of that enormous Citizen Promaster that has like a shuriken bezel on it. I absolutely Love that. All right, moving on to the jewelry category and one that probably found us in the strongest agreement of all 15 categories, right? Yeah, almost a no-brainer. This is uh, the Bulgari one with the Serpenti, Mysteriosi High Jewelry. Besides the fact that they made a special caliber for that watch. Awesome. Mechanical, manufacture, in-house, with Fabrizio Buonamassa and the whole technical team, and they incorporate the jewelry teams in Rome. Um, if I was a lady, I would wear a Serpenti. I'm not confident enough. You, though, are really considering one, you told Antoine Penn. So do you want uh, to yeah. that? Yeah, I love them. I honestly uh, just 
I'm so mesmerized by the craftsmanship. The only real drawback for me, and I mean this in all seriousness, I'm not saying I would wear this model. It may be a little bit too bejeweled uh, just for my general style, if there is such a thing. Generally, I wear like tweed suits and, uh, you know, polished brogues. So I'm not sure this really fits, but something a little bit more demure would be potentially wearable. But I have hairy wrists. I have hairy arms. I think you're probably the same. We're both quite hairy guys. And that is one issue with the Serpenti, the way that it friction fits to the wrist effectively. And I'm sure that I would lose a lot of wrist hair in the process of wearing one. But you're right. We spoke to Antoine the other day for an upcoming episode. And I mean it when I say it, if they ever do a men's version in like Blaster Titanium, for example, and he's he's never said never. So it's not out of the question. I would I would buy it. I would buy it because I want to support the existence of this kind of object. This is the kind of thing that I think watchmaking gives us that truly enriches our experience of life. This is top-level craftsmanship, excellent, world-class gem setting, inventive and sideways-thinking horology all in one beautiful package. This is treasure. Imagine if in a thousand years' time, after the human race has completely obliterated itself, and some aliens come down to inspect the ruins of our civilization and they're digging in the, in the rubble and they find a chest, like a former Bulgari dealer, uh, a former Bulgari authorized dealer collapsed in on itself. And they pull out one of these from the charred brick and they look at it and they think, wow, whatever the hell it was that lived on this decimated planet, they had some skill. And they were cool. Like, you know, this is, if you can. I love your fantasy, dude. You should write scripts. But yes, <laughs> but you are right. And in solidarity, if that ever comes, and you spoke about titanium. So then I, 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 I s- sat up straight in my chair. In solidarity, I will buy one. As okay. Well. So let's move on to artistic crafts. We were unanimous on that one as well, weren't we? We were. And we were right. And the jury backed us up unsurprisingly i have to say the, there's a lot of nice watches in this category the ms is gorgeous even the automatic pga code 1159 is pretty cool the bove is well i mean it's it's, it's hideous but it's impressive uh the van cleef also i would say falls into that category the hublot i love i think it's a lot of fun i think it's really sweet and uh, a cool little timepiece but the Vuterlinen was just the best carry and team including obviously together teaming up with an amazing Japanese artist. That's why it's an artistic crafts category. Well-deserved. Unfortunately, one of a kind. So whomever is wearing this watch right now, we salute you, dear lady or sir. Next one. Yeah, the Petit Aguil. Um, This is a weird one. So second to the calendar and astronomy category this is the one where i feel we were most off the mark because the watch that won the trilobe 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 i don't know how to say it trilobe Trilobe. let's call it trilobe let's call it trilobe okay so the trilobe won. it didn't even feature in our rundown there were four of these six watches that we mentioned explicitly I was talking about the Grand Seiko and the Breitling. I think you talked about the Zenith that you picked and the Gelfman that you picked for me. Correct. Neither one of us gave the Trilobe a chance, really, I don't think. Uh, How do you feel about this result? I love quirky watches. Um, I love it when technically something new is happening. So definitely well-deserved. 
Um, I, I I believe that we were off because, and I think we said it on air, we didn't understand what the category is really about. So maybe that's why we're totally off. I don't think we understood its mission. You know, honestly, I actually understand it even less now. I mean, it's a night. <laughs> I'm serious. It's a nice watch. It's it's solid. It's great. But like, this is the three and a half to ten thousand category, right? Which is a, a bracket that I really object to. Like I said on on the show last week, three and a half to five. That's a category. Fine. Five to ten. That's a category. Fine. But the difference between three and a half and ten thousand in watchmaking is absolutely gargantuan. Three and a half thousand is the kind of price point that not everybody, but a lot of individuals could pinpoint as a target at some point in their lives to save up for and buy a watch of that value. 10,000, five figures, we're talking, five figure watch, that's that's a big chunk of change to drop on anything that isn't essential in life. And the, the difference between those two is just, it's just worlds apart, universes apart. I, I don't, I still don't understand it. And I'm not sure if we were going to go for the trilobe here, why the Gelfman didn't win. You know, so I picked, in fact, we both picked quite conservative watches here. I wanted the Grand Seiko because I just thought it was an excellent example of a Grand Seiko and it had everything that I expect from that brand in that one package. You went for the Zenith Defy Skyline because you thought that the complication was very interesting and the rapidly moving seconds hand made it stand out from the crowd. Fine. Yes, but now that you've said it, my analogy was this. 3 to 10K is where often either somebody starts when entering fine watchmaking or upgrades from, let's say, entry-level mid-range and goes for a big chunk of money, which you said correctly. So I reiterated by saying, okay, which of these six gives you the most bang for your money? And I agree with you, the Grand Psycho does it as well, but I didn't like the bezel. So I went for Zenith. And I agree with your choice. The Gelfand should have been number six then because that's so odd and crazy that I would never recommend anybody to start its high-end collection with that watch unless you're totally into steampunk. So let's leave it at that. Congrats, Trilo. We're happy for you. Jury, we would love to know your analogy. Yeah, we uh, we are happy for them. I mean, we, we've heard good things about the guys behind the brand. We like what they're doing with the novel way of displaying the time. And this is a very smart, very wearable, surprisingly timeless piece. So fair play. And fun, and fun, and fun. Well, yeah, I suppose it is in a way, although I I don't think of fun when I see that watch at all. I see that as like quite serious. Sorry, when you see it spinning, it's fun. So you Mm, need to see mm. a movie of this watch. But okay, let's go to the challenger category because that was interesting. We had discussions. I think your pick won. It did. Thank God. Thank God. Because I threatened threatened to eat my hat if the Tudor Ranger had taken this one home. You did. You did. So congrats on that, Rob. Thank you. Congrats on that for MBNF and all of the teams because I love the I love the watch. I love the philosophy behind it because what they wanted to do is democratize the creativity of MBNF. This is not an MBNF. The mad galleries are galleries created by Max Busser and their teams. And they sell mechanical marvelous items there not just watches um the mad one the red one is not the first watch because the first one was i think a gift to all the friends of mbnf if i'm not mistaken well what they were gifted was the opportunity to buy it 
I think yeah, they had okay. to pay for it. But okay. that was a blue one, and that was really cool. But I want yeah. a green. Okay, so I've got the red, yes. and it's very cool. I don't wear it that much anymore because I've kind of, it's, I've kind of elevated it to the status of curio, where like I get it out of the box and show people like, look, this is what watchmaking can be like. But I want a green one. If they make a green one next year or the year after, I'm putting my hand up for it so again. And, oh. I want first dibs on buying the red one off of you. <laughs> All right. Okay. It's on the record. It's on the record now. The day you want, you get the green one, the red goes to me. Okay. So congrats, guys. Um, I'm happy. I agree. Um, so yeah. Good. Mechanical clock? Oh, mechanical clock. Um, Shall we just... Do a brief one. Yeah, Van Cleef won. Congrats. Congrats. <laughs> um, I think it was both at the bottom of our list, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, it was. Um, it's it's as disgusting as it is beautiful. Yes. And <laughs> what I mean by that is it's, um, it's a very specific kind of aesthetic. And it is probably the best in terms of craftsmanship, I suppose. But it's between five and ten millions of swiss francs i love it how they they put the s in the in the bracket on the website five and ten millions swiss francs hilarious um fair play to whoever buys that and if you have a few more quid burning a hole in your pocket we will gladly take some sponsorship cheers <laughs> okay all right so then all the other categories we discussed the prize for the best young student we Briefly touched upon the Horological Revelation prize. I don't think we need to discuss that. Sylvain Pinot with the origin deserves it, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's cool. It could have gone to a few places, but I think that's actually a really nice pick for that one. And then, to beyond, I'm kind of happy that Psycho, Grand Psycho, which is a separate brand, Grand Psycho, did not win in the Tourbillon category, but they received the Chronometry prize with their Kodo. Constance Force Tourbillon. I think it's cool. I think it's a wise choice and they deserve it. I like this watch more the more I look at it, I have to say. I'm really getting into those lugs. I appreciate the case shape entirely. I think it's surprisingly wearable for a watch that retails for 382,000 Swiss francs. I think that the movement is very attractive and I'm glad to see it win something. Yeah, because it was it was a big deal in the industry when it came out and it caused a lot of news and it got a lot of coverage and I'd like to see one on the wrist actually I've not had this one on the wrist yet but I would like to try it because it is quite a quite a piece well said innovation prize went to Van Cleef and Arpel with Lady Arpel Heure Floral Cerisier I mean this is a gorgeous watch however you look at it we both paid it lip service in our rundown last time I like it very much it's the kind of watch I would where if I were a woman, I think, because it, it makes full use of Van Cleef's incredible skill set. And yeah, beautifully feminine in a traditional sense. I'm not sure if I'd really buy the whole innovation aspect. I mean, how innovative is it really? It's, base, it's but, a basically super deluxe mad one. Yeah, I guess so. The time indication is on the side of the case. And uh, yeah, it's, it's it's been done before. So, But okay, um, I'm curious though, what was its competition? Or they just pick huh. one innovative prize from the whole lot? Yeah, I think that's how it works with these ones. These, the, you know, everything from the chronometry to the horological revelation to the audacity to the innovation and the special jury prize. And of course, the uh, the big one, the Aguillador Grand Prix. So do you think that they pick the categories? Whomever won, 
is not eligible to win another one in these um, super league categories? Yeah, honestly, I don't know which way around it goes. Okay, so I would probably assume that uh, the votes from you guys from the academy come in first and they decide the categories. And I guess these special prizes are given subjectively by the jury that sits there, which Nick Fawkes leads yeah. or led this year. Yeah, and it is possible, of course, that they restrict themselves to picking from the categories that didn't win so that there aren't duplicates. Although in a strange way, that seems a bit odd because the Audacity Prize, for example, although it isn't um, a category in itself, seems more prestigious. All of these ones seem more prestigious than all of the individual categories because they're basically up against everything. So it's weird that you would maybe get the losers in those. We'll have to do a bit more research and find out. We'll have to dig into it with a jury member and see exactly how they make these picks. That's interesting. That's interesting. Okay, so either we invite Nick or uh, Waco or we can invite... uh, I will get Waco on the show. He'll be be good value, I'm sure. Okay. Okay. All right, so do you... Let me ask you a question. Do you feel that the Audacity Prize went correctly to Bulgari or Bulgari with the Octafinisma Ultra, the 10th anniversary, oh, which, held, um, which held a few months on to the world record of slimmest wristwatch? So, okay, am I allowed to pick a watch that won its category? Yes. I think you can. Well, there are two actually that really stuck out to me. One didn't win its category. That that was the uh, Louis Monet Time to Race chronograph that I like a lot because it uses some interesting techniques in its case construction, like the huge domed sapphire, and uh, it uses a twin chronograph scale. So it has this like triangular sort of scale that stands proud around the outside of the dial. On one side, it indicates the tachymeter. On the other side, it indicates the split seconds. I find that really cool. And then the subdial, which is a number unique to the owner. There's only one in each colorway with each number ever made. Uh, that's made out of neorolith, which is this weird sort of material, like a bit like ceramic in a way, that can be polished to a high gloss finish and uh, has exceptional color fastness, so it would last for years. And that dial side chronograph mechanism is gorgeous, like... I think it's a seriously underrated watch. So I would have thought about that for the Audacity Prize. But if I could pick one that actually won its category, I would say that the the Mad One Red should have won the Audacity Prize because I do think that is audacious for many, many reasons. And um, yeah, that would have been my pick. Interesting. And and it depends on how they approached the the definition of the category but um anyways i i I do think that bulgari deserved it because breaking world records is very audacious and even attempting to so congrats again bulgari then special jury prize for francois junot for those that don't know him he started straight out of school and he calls himself an automation builder he's not per se a clockmaker a watchmaker. My advice, Google him. Super cool. The things that he's has made, automated and built. Um, do you want to add something to that, Rob? So um, I think we say automaton, right? Um, that's what he specializes in. Yes. I, I've never met him. I have seen some of the works that have certainly inspired him at the um, Watchmaking Museum in the Chaux de France. 
Mm-hmm. And yeah, anybody that can do the kind of stuff he does has got a very special mind and those characters should always be treasured and celebrated. So I think he's a fantastic recipient of this award and very worthy of it. And hopefully it will draw more attention to the good work he's been doing throughout his long career. Last award. It is called the Grand Prix. The overall winner. The big went, boy. The big boy. Went to our friends at MBNF again, but now with the Legacy Machine Sequential Evo. Rob, what do you want to say about that? I mean, we knew from the moment we saw the Legacy Machine Sequential Evo that it was something special. What it's based on was special enough, in my opinion, but the evolution of it to make it even more complicated, to give it this wonderful eye-popping aesthetic was a step in the audacious direction that perhaps we didn't expect or perhaps we didn't think MBNF needed. But when you see the result of it, you can see the genius and the forethought behind it and how valuable a contribution to horology actually is. So is it a rightful, worthy winner of the Grand Prix? Yeah, of course it is. I mean, this is what luxury high-end watchmaking is all about. This is exactly what we should be promoting as an ambassador of our craft and our industry. It's close to perfect. And the mechanism, the way that it works, the way that it's set is is mind-boggling. It's magnificent. And I can't say enough good things about it. It's funny that it featured in the chronograph category and neither of us picked it because of our personal affiliations with other particular models. But when it comes down to it, this is the cream of the crop and you can't take anything away from it. It is a worthy champion. What do you think about it? You've said it well, Rob. It's an amazing watch. Um, They push the boundaries. MBNF always thinks of something new and they keep on surprising you every time. And they did that with the Legacy Machines Sequential Evo again. I love the Legacy Machines. When the first one came out, I was blown away. Head over heels in love. I did not pick this watch in the chronograph category because if I remember correctly, I used the word or the words, there is too much going on. And I think that a chronograph should be readable And as you use it often with things that are related to speed, um, having said that, the Gronefeld does that. They split the dials. It even gives me a Vianney Halter Antica vibe. So that's why I didn't pick that watch in the MBNF, in the chronograph category. So the MBNF took the Grand Prix. I don't know if I initially would have picked them immediately. I guess I would have picked the Octofinissima Ultra, but since they won another prize, I actually agree with the jury that they gave it to MNF. So congrats, guys. Rob, I kind of want to end this episode by asking you what three watches from this year's winners will stick or stood out for you or are your favorite? That's a good question. It's hard for me to step away from the chronograph category. (laughs) I could give you three answers within the chronograph category, to be honest. But for the sake of diversity, and I think long-term impact, 
the watches that stand out for me really are the Bulgari Serpenti, the Mad One Red, and the Oh God, oh it's difficult. I'm gonna say the Grinnefeld. It's great that it won what we regarded as the most hotly contested category. And although obviously I threw my personal feelings behind the Chapek, I do think that that Grinnefeld is something really special. And I think it just gets better the more you look at it, the more you study it. And I think that we'll really appreciate that one for a long time. And we will always talk about it as one of the great watchers of its generation. So I've picked three that I think are ambassadors for their specific corners of the industry. I think the Grunefeld is excellent high horology, as good as it gets, the very best. I think the Serpenti is, as I said in the last show, icon among icons. It is just something unlike anything else, a great testament to the many artisanal skills that are necessary to make this industry what it is. And then the Mad One, that just shows you how creative and how cool you can be on effectively a shoestring budget. And it's really nice that a company like MBNF that occupies the very upper echelon of watchmaking is willing to get down and dirty in the entry level or mid level luxury price point and speak to an entirely new consumer demographic that otherwise would never be able to own one of their pieces. And I think that's just really, really nice. It's really heartening and it's been done in a fantastic way that I fully support. What three watches stand out for you then? I'm going to run down the list twice with different um, reasoning. First and foremost, as a watch collector and a watch nerd, what would I buy immediately for myself? Or would I buy, not for myself, but for my wife, the Serpenti, hands down. So I'm with you 100%. Love it. They deserve it. I would have bought it. Then, Grunefeld, obviously, I would buy and wear because I love it. Change the strap immediately. And I would buy their Crivia for myself. But if you look at which watches deserve it, and I think that this award should go in the spirit of making watchmaking history, and if we follow that analogy, then I guess what you said about the Mad One, you said very good. They pushed the envelope and made history with a shoestring budget. So they deserve it. Um, Bulgari, Octofinissima Ultra broke a world record. They made history. It's proven. And then the third one is very difficult. And I guess MNF did it again with the Evo. And that's why they won the Grand Prix. And now that I realize that, I think the jury did a good job. So the, twice my top three picks. Very good, very good. So um, it seems like the Serpenti is really stealing the show for us, oddly enough. But there you go. Such is the wonder of watchmaking. So thanks, guys, for sticking with us for another hour of GPHG analysis. That was a lot of fun. Please remember to get in touch with us with your questions. We will be diving into the mailbag next week. You can contact me on Instagram at Rob Nudds. That's R-O-B-N-U-D-D-S or Alon directly at A-L-O-N-B-E-N-J-O-S-E-P-H. Or you can send us an email either at rob at therealtime.show or alon at therealtime.show. We're looking forward to spending time with you again next week, so please tune back into The Real Time Show. Like, follow, share, all that jazz. 
Until then, stay safe and keep on ticking.